stand and open up with, with prayer. It's going to be like a little devotion. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay. Our prayer today. Our Father, we thank Thee for binding this family together by the sacred tie of common blood, the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. We remember with how much sacrificial love it is life has been its life has been created and sustained. We bless thee for a mother's travail and tenderness, for a faith father's faithful toil. Knit us together by our common joys and sorrows so that even if we are far removed from one another, nothing may estrange our hearts. When the youngest of us is old and gray-headed, May the memories of our home still be sweet and dear. May the children's children of this family still have the vigor and virtues of, of our best forefathers. And may the faith, too, of our, for, of our fathers burn brightly in their hearts. Deal graciously with our loved ones. Give us our daily bread and strength for our daily tasks. To thee we commit the life and destiny of each through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Father, I ask you to continue to show me the things you want me to see. So when I speak, Master, it will be those things you want me to say. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You may be seated, but I'm going to continue on because everything that I read in the devotional today, including Seek God for the City, is such a blessing that it, I, I, have to, uh, I have to speak on it. Amen. Um, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know if everyone is keeping up with Seek God for the City on a daily basis. I want to just say this. As we seek God for the city, and now down at the bottom, we're seeking him for other nations as well, you need to also include your family. Because these prayers are so, more, so much more advanced. You follow what I'm saying? And so, because um, you may have family members who don't even live in the city. Plus, when we're praying this out of this book, we don't even focus on them. You've probably done another type of prayer. Uh, but these prayers are word prayers, which means they will... Um, do a greater work than something that you pray off of the top of, off of the top of your head. So, um, mm, I don't know what to do, Lord Jesus. Okay, to rescue people from spiritual darkness. You see why it's necessary to include your, your family members and your loved ones. So the, the scripture is, there were those who dwelt in darkness and is in the shadow of death, prisoners in misery and chains because they had rebelled against the words of God. Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them. This should be encouraging. Okay, because see, you, you, hear the, you hear those negative words, but what he wants you to know, that there is nothing too great for God. And when we learn to cry out, we're going to see the results, Okay. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and broke their bands apart. 
he, the writer says, many find themselves locked in lifestyles that hold them in darkness. Some search in vain for a way to escape the grim misery of their lives. Others feel the chill of death already overshadowing them. Hear their cry, O God. Penetrate prisons locked by pride. Shatter the habits that bind them like chains. Break the bars of resentment and hatred that hinder people from authentic love. Bring them out of darkness so they can walk away from the shadows of their sin and walk in the freedom of following you. The other scripture is men love the darkness rather than light because you can hide your sins in there. For their deeds were evil, but he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought in God. And that came out of John 3.19. You are constantly shining the light of your love into people's lives, but some stubbornly choose to love their darkness, preferring to hide in the shadows of fear and shame. We pray that by an act of your grace, you would enliven them to step into your light, cause them to trust even one word of gospel truth. And after that first step, Give them another and then another until they find that you are co-working with them, helping them to walk in your light, which is Jesus. So it's telling us, pray for God to subdue powers of evil that hold people in darkness. For the light of the gospel to expose the bondage of rebellion and reveal the hope of freedom and Jesus. This is powerful. If you use this to pray for your family, we may see a change. You may even see them become saved. See, certain thoughts or, or standards or, uh, what can I use, Lord? How you function because you've been doing it or they have been living in it all of their lives, you think it's okay. I've heard people say, well, that's what they've been doing all their lives, so why should I bother? Because it's darkness and it's sin, and you want them to come out and come into the light. And because of their position in your family structure does not overpower the truth. Because they've been doing something for all of their years, no matter how long it, it, it is, does not overpower the truth. The truth must be exposed, and change must happen. So, okay, I'm, I'm not going any further with this, but it tells us to seek God on behalf of prisoners and their families, and not just prisoners who are in uh, uh, institutions, but they're imprisoned to their own souls. Amen. Okay, help me, Holy Ghost. It's like, I'm telling you, everything was just so good, and it was um, just piggybacking on, this, on the same thing. What no longer works? Jesus says, no one pours out new wine into old wineskins. <laughs> Come on. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skin. We need new skin. 
And you get that from the Bible. The lady that's speaking says, it's been a year since I had last made applesauce from fresh apples. I was eager to get into the task and gather my tools quickly. As I started to prepare the apples for cooking, I was struggling to core them. Then I remember I had bought a new apple uh, core. Yet I was still struggling with the old one. The old dull one. You know it's dull when nothing is changing. Everything is still the same. You know it's dull. You need a new tool. Why had I not simply discarded the old one that no longer worked well? It can be like that in my spiritual life too. I cling to old routines and old habits that no longer serve me well. Just because you've been doing it all since you remember, don't make it where it's profiting you or anyone else anything. You have routinely become religious with no power, denying the power of God. It says, um, as today's passage from 2 Corinthians tell us, in Christ we are new, the old is gone. See, we recite these things, we quote these scriptures, but we're not digesting them. Do you know what it means? He says, the old person you were is gone, is dead. You're supposed to be projecting a new person. I make life more difficult when I refuse to part with what no longer works, forgetting to seek God's guidance and use the new ways that God gives me. Reading scripture from a new perspective and discussing what I read with other Christians helps. And always we can pray asking God for enlightenment and guidance. You see, this is why I keep on this same thing. You cannot grow in Christ nor stay in Christ as a long ranger, not fellowshipping with other believers in the house of God. This is where we are challenged, we are provoked, we are encouraged, we are edified, we get to grow. Being being a Lone Ranger because you happen to know some word. Because that's all we know is some. Okay? And, and feel spiritual is not going to get us where we need to be. It is constant work. Why do you think Paul says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling? Amen? And so her prayer was, Loving God, help us to discard our old ways and remain open to new experiences and fresh perspective that brings us closer to you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, we're starting a new series today. Praise the Lord. We, uh, we're in uh, the book of Hebrew. <laughs> Glory to God. I was struggling about doing two different books. I'm not going to even tell you what the other book is. And, um, and, and, and I had asked God what 
uh, because we need to be growing in, in who we are, whose we are, and why we are. Okay, Hebrews tell us why we're saved. <laughs> it gives you an understanding about your status because we say, I'm a Christian, but do you know what that means? And if when you know what something means, you work at being who you say you are. But when you don't understand it, you just stand still and walk through it and think you are because you said it. <laughs> Glory. No, the proof is in the pudding. I, tell, I can tell who you are by your walk, not by your speech. Glory. Okay, uh, Hebrews uh, chapter 1 is what we're going to begin with. And the title is, Supremacy of Christ is Why We Are Saved. Okay, but what I want to do before we get into it is do the uh, introduction. Help me, Holy Ghost, to get all of this stuff done before it's time for them to leave. And what I want to do, I'm, I'm going to read some parts of the introduction of this book to give us a clear understanding of what we're about to embark in, both out of my uh, Bible of introduction and also out of David Jeremiah's Bible of um, of introduction, because there is a whole lot of data and information in, 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 in both books about who the author of this book is, which we still don't know. And we won't know until we see Jesus, okay? So I'm not gonna bore you with all of this, the information concerning who possibly could the author be, but just by the, by the language and, and also by the revelation, uh, it kind of rules out Paul, okay? Um, because Paul declares in all of his writing, his revelation comes strictly from the Father, okay? And so, um, uh, like I said, it's so much, but you can do it on your own because it's very, very interesting to read about how this book came into place based on location, uh, 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 genealogy, and language, okay? So um, let me see. What do I want to read, Lord? Because it, 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 it's also a battle whether or not this person was an authentic Jew or was it a Gentile who turned uh, Jew by accepting the Messiah? Um, was it a Jew who was born like that or became converted? You know, a whole bunch of, bun bunch of stuff. And so, okay, let me read this. The author, whether Jew or Gentile, had a superb knowledge both of Jewish uh, Levitical thought and also of Greek literary. So in, in other words, they knew about the Jewish law, but they also knew how to articulate uh, uh, by the Greek language because the Greeks are known for intellect and education, okay? It says which is uh, the literary style, which is often regarded as the, the finest in the New Testament. Yet he does, does seem to be Jewish in that he apparently identify himself with his Jewish readers by writing, let us go forth therefore unto him without the camp. Now, you can see that as being identified to the Jewish nation or you can see that being identified by the Jewish belief, 
which we can identify to because we have inherited. Okay, do y'all hear what I'm saying? Okay, I, I guess I'm too excited. All right. Um, let me see. It says, in the West, where the epistle was known from earliest times, Pauline authorship was rejected and did not gain general acceptance until the fourth century. Yet the strongest argument against Pauline authorship is found within the epistle itself. In the second chapter, verse 3, the author regards himself as one whose knowledge of Christ was secondhand. <laughs> By contrast, Paul vehemently declares that his apostleship and message were directly from Jesus Christ. When we read about it, he's telling you what he's hearing from the throne room because of his relationship with Jesus Christ. Other worthy suggestions for Arthur includes Luke, Barnabas, Silas, and Apollos. The argument that speaks against Pauline's authorship speaks for Luke and authorship. Okay. Uh, okay, this says, but the, the writer was an eloquent man who was mighty in the scriptures. Okay, uh, let me read what David Jeremiah, he says, in addressing this issue, the author of Hebrews certainly had a difficult task to convince his readers not to turn their backs on Christ, but to press on with confidence. That's what the Hebrew book is about to press on with confidence. How does one convince former Jews that the centuries worth of ceremonial ordinances applying to the priesthood and the sacrificial system, not to mention the contributions of the Old Testament patriarchs, have now been consummated in one man? Okay, let me help y'all with that. What he is saying that the Jewish traditions were in uh, laws and ceremonial ordinances that declare you are from, you can be to, you've been delivered from. Hallelujah, Jesus. That is over because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Okay? And so... What he's saying is, is, is that that has been done away and is consumed in one man, and his name is Jesus, that now you don't have to go through that. Though we may go back and read it and study the ceremonials and stuff like that, all it is for is for you to have a better understanding of your freedom and your deliverance by Jesus Christ and to understand what certain things can do or have done, but... You are free and delivered. You need to focus on the blood of Jesus Christ and the cross of Christ that set you free so that you don't have to have a ceremony. That was God's grace until he sent the second Adam to set us free. And if you're not free, it's because you have not accepted him. Or you have accepted him but you have not known how to go to him to seek him with what you need freedom from. Okay? It says, and in the face of persecution, how does one inspire the first generation of Jews, Jewish believers to hold fast to Jesus and not seek refuge in the familiar words of Judaism? By the word of God. Because when Jesus came, came the grace. 
and the grace is the word of God. Okay, one more other little thought, and we're going to get into the scriptures, okay? To understand Hebrews, we need to understand the difference between a prophet and a priest. Now, what we need to also understand that Hebrew is, is another word for the Jewish language. So this is address to the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, okay? He says, a prophet represented God to the people. This person was a spokesman for God. This is why Christian ministers are occasionally called prophets in the New Testament because they can and do represent God to the people. Praise the Lord. Now, I've known this before I even read this today, and I have not really understood why we as the church have not understood about prophecy. We use prophecy uh, like it is uh, a seance or something. And, 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 and working it because somebody can read your mail. No, ain't nobody reading your mail. Don't nobody know your mail but Jesus Christ. Now, he may reveal something to a person concerning it only for them to speak out what he's speaking through them that comes from here to bring the change and the correction. So it's not about telling your future and telling you about how, what you're going to get and all of that. No, it is to give you the word of God in a way that you can receive it and adapt it to bring the change that's necessary to happen in your life. So actually, preaching the word is prophesying. In the Old Testament, the priest was responsible to offer up sacrifices on behalf of the people before God. But it was God who would forgive the sin, the people's sin. Which, thank God, see, with me coming from being a Catholic, and God's hand was on me the whole time, so I didn't follow a lot of that stuff because God did not let me loose to do that. I didn't understand it. I just thought I was rebellious, okay? But, but I had that same thought. Why should I go to confession and tell my sins to a man who's committing sins himself and he have him to pray for me to be forgiven of my sins, and then I got to go and quote, depending on how grievous my sins were, how much of the rosary bead I had to quote to get forgiveness for my sin. Well, the Lord told me, you can come straight to me. Because first of all, you go into this man re with rehearsed sins that you do over and over and over again. We confess our sins because he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. But the bottom part of that is more important. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So why am I going to go to the confessional and confess that same sin over and over and over again? When do I get delivered from it? When do I get free from it? I'm going to confess it because I'm tired of it and I don't want to live in it any longer. I need you to cleanse me and free me from me. In the New Testament, Jesus is the ultimate high priest who forgives our sins by offering up himself as a sacrifice on our behalf. Amen. At some point, um, uh, we're going to have to do a study on the different offices uh, in the ministry so that you'll understand what you've been ordained to do when you, when you take on certain titles of the fivefold ministry and then any of the other uh, titles that comes in uh, uh, 
uh, Corinthians, I think it's in 2 Corinthians, is to tell you about the different administrations of offices. You need to understand biblically what do they really mean so that you can operate in order and come up out of, uh, 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 out of this fanfare and thinking more highly of yourself than you ought. Okay, all right, all right, all right, okay. To, uh, let me get to the scriptures. Let me see. I said my little introduction. This epistle written to the Jewish Christians who were in danger of returning to Judaism. Back to the law. This book of Hebrews teaches us why we are saved. Amen. Okay, so verse 1. God, who at sundry times or many portions of times and in divers manners or in many ways, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he have appointed heir of all things. So what is the writer letting us know? That when Jesus came, he superseded any prophet. He superseded any prophet because he didn't come by a man of a prophet would exclude some religious cults that only know Jesus as the prophet or a man, but don't know him as their savior, the Messiah, the sent one. Okay, verse 2 again. Have in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he have appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds or the ages, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins or cleansed our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. He did the work as in human um, uh, mankind as humanity he took on humanity in divinity did the work that freed us okay and then went and sat up in heaven on the right hand side of the father okay help me holy ghost being made so much better than the angels as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. For unto which of the angels said he at any time, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee, and again I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. Oh, God. Okay, he says, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. This verse represents that Jesus is the first fruit of sonship. When we get saved, we become a son. We're no longer a creation. We become sonship. And Jesus is the first fruit of sonship. Six, and again, when he bringeth in this, the first begotten, which is another word for firstborn, into the world, he saith, and let the angels of God worship him. So the firstborn uh, does not mean that Jesus was created, but, but that it refers to his exalted status and authority as ruler of all creation. See, when you understand that, then these people who are more faithful to their religion coming around knocking on your door, 
you know how to be able to reject the, the, the stuff that they're talking because you will understand. Because, see, they say certain things that will have you to believe the lie. Let me say it again. Firstborn here does not mean that Jesus was created. And all these false religions that want to call him a prophet and a man then is saying he was created. Are y'all with me? He is the creator. And when it says the firstborn is just alluding to how of his high status and authority as ruler of all creation, but he is, he chose to come as the firstborn of that kind of power and authority to pass down to mankind so we can pick it up and keep it going. Glory. See, I'm telling you, this stuff here is just too hot. And, and whoo, I don't know how it's coming out. Okay, um, verse 7, because I think I, just, I said, I got a bunch of pages here. I'm just going to 7. And of the angels, he said, he saith, who maketh his angels spirits and his ministers a flame of fire? Okay, let's go over to Psalms 104. Psalms 104, verse 4, is where this verse uh, comes from. And it says, who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers a flaming fire? So they are servants, ministers, servants, a flaming fire. Um, this is God's, uh, uh, whoever wrote Psalms 104 is expressing God's uh, creation, his marvelous creation and all what God has done. And God created the angels. He didn't create Jesus because he is divinity. He is God. Do you understand? Okay, now stay over in that area to go to Psalms 103. <laughs> verses uh, 19 through 22. And, and this is where David is, 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 is telling the people, the Lord hath prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. The Lord has prepared his throne in the heavens and his kingdom ruleth over all. But he prepared and created the church in a newborn state so that you, we could cause his kingdom that is in heaven to be realized here on earth. What are we doing? Okay, all right. 20, bless the Lord, ye his angels that excel in strength, that do his commandments, hearken unto the voice of his word. So, how is Jesus an angel? He is superior to angels. They have to hear his voice. How do they hear his voice? When we speak the word, besides him just talking directly to them, when we speak his word, when we declare his word, when we decree his word, it causes the angels to do whatever that word is saying and put it in force here on earth as it is in heaven. He doesn't, they do not respond to me. I can't, Michael, I need you. That's demonic. 
putting this up on your car shelf. Okay, Saint so-and-so. Demonic! You want divine protection? Father, I thank you for traveling mercies and that you have assigned your angels over my car, whatever the vehicle is, from the front to the back. Now, because you've spoken the word, they're on assignment. Because we never refer to praying to God per his word, your angels that has been especially signed to each one of you is in the unemployment line. Because they never hear God's command through your voice. And the only time that they come out of unemployment when God decides to have mercy on ourselves <laughs> and come to our aid and he put the angels to work on our behalf. Okay? He says, of, uh, verse 21, Bless ye the Lord, all ye his host." Ye ministers of his that do his pleasure. How do we bless the Lord? We bless the Lord when we do what we were purposed to do here on earth. So he's talking about the host. Everything that's created by the hand of God blesses God by doing what they were created to do. Flowers that look beautiful and smell nice until they die. That's the worst smelling thing you ever smell. Okay. Humans. We're to praise God by our lives, what we do. We have the audacity to think that our lives is about us living. No, it is about we exude Jesus' glory through our presence because we are doing what we were created to do. And that is to let that light shine. It can't shine when there's no word in me and I don't know and don't love the Lord. I don't act like I love the Lord. And because I don't love the Lord, I don't love me. I only think I love me because I'm so selfish. Everything is about me. But if I really love me, I wouldn't be about trying to always please my flesh and my emotions. I'll be about trying to get my spirit and my soul delivered if I really loved who I am. And I can't come to understand who I am until I understand the master who created me. Then I know who I am and I am satisfied and, com and complete. And I'm not going around trying to impress other people about who I am and what I know because I am satisfying the one who I need to impress. And what other people think doesn't matter as long as I know I'm satisfying the master. I didn't come here. I wasn't put here to make other people think I'm so high and mighty or great or smart or any of that. I was put here to let the light of Jesus shine through me so that they will know he's high. He's mighty. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He is wisdom. And I have the privilege to let him shine. The last verse says, bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord Oh, my soul. Soul, why are you downtrodden? Rise up. Bless the Lord. That's how you get free. Tell your soul, come up. Come up out of the gutter. 
of the sinking sand. Come up, come up out of the darkness and declare who is your Lord? Who is your Savior? Who is your deliverer? Okay, let's go back uh, to Hebrews. Okay, I'm going to read my notes. Thank you, Jesus. This first, first seven verses is declaring Jesus is superior, and he's superior than the angels. And in verse, in verse, verse 3, Christ's person, power, and position are all expressed. His power, person, and position is all expressed. So the Hebrews breaks down who our Messiah, I'm talking about the book of Hebrews, breaks down our Messiah, our Savior, our priest and Lord, who he is, and that he is superior of all gods and, and creator of all ages and prepares us for the end times to come. Jesus existed before time. He was at the beginning of time and will be at the end of time. We cannot reduce him to a human being. He is the one who upholds all things by the word of his power and thereby controls history. So what we are facing in our world today is coming to an end. And those who are responsible for the lies, turning around of morals, destruction of men's goods and name, their good name and life, those who have stolen from our society and passed the cost down to the American people, who have actually turned this world upside down, will be punished and destroyed. Those who have trusted in the Lord in spite of the news reports, media reports that are falsified, and idle conversation will be saved from floor uh, and flourish once again. Those who have trusted in the Lord in spite of news reports, media reports, falsified media reports, idle conversation, that is where you've talked with so-called Christians and anybody else in the world, and they're talking crazy dumb stuff that does not lift up Jesus Christ, and you indulge or you just say, mm-hmm. When you did not do these things, you shall be saved and flourish once again. Our Lord is not a man who should lie. And everything in his word states that. We are coming out and we will be coming out shining and flourishing. We don't need to walk around downtrodden and depressed like we have no hope. Our hope is named Jesus. This is why he tells us to wait patiently to see the goodness of God. In order to wait patiently, we must not, we cannot follow the dictates of our emotions and our flesh. We must follow our hearts, but they must be fed with the word of God to keep us from falling from grace, which keeps us from fainting when we feel weak. 
The word does all of that. The only reason why you're not aware of it because you didn't try it. Just try God. He says, try me. And I will show you, I will prove to you, speak his word in a time of need that fits the situation and watch what he does, okay? The test of time is how well will you stand on the Bible? That's the test of time. How well will you stand on the Bible? Not waiting for somebody in a position, in an office, in a government, and anywhere else that's going to turn around, ch change things, and make things right. That's not the answer. Because God tells us to pray for all men who are in authority. If you want to lead a quiet and peaceable lifestyle, you can't vote the right person in. You can only do the very best that your understanding can help you. But for the right thing to happen, and for God to reign, you're going to have to pray for these people. And stop looking at them like they're some kind of God and whatever they say is right. And whatever party gets in, oh, it's okay. And you're sleeping, laying aside while the world is going to hell in a handbasket. The test of time is how well will you stand on the Bible, not on who you know whether it's in your natural life or is in the political arena or in, in the fabulous churches. Not on what you own. Not on anything that's been made by man. So get your heart off of these things and put it on God. Y'all know the scripture that says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all... These things will be added unto you. You see, we're having problems getting what we need because we don't know how to trust God. And you're seeking for what you want, but you don't even realize that's not the thing that's going to help you. That's not the thing that's going to bring you joy and bring you peace. Until you begin to see God for who he is and trust him and he'll supply your needs. Let me tell you, when you trust God to supply your needs, he will sometimes give you the desire of your heart because your heart is lined up with him. And he will bless you with something in the natural that you weren't even looking for. Or maybe you were looking for it, but you put it on, on, on the side because, God, you're first. And watch what God will do. And guess what? Whatever that thing is that you're looking for, but you can't find it in the natural Trust God for your life and live for him and watch him open up some doors later on to give you and fix whatever that natural thing is. Put God first. And when you do that, he will take care of you. Jesus didn't become divine or God. He was always divine and God. He put on an earth suit called humanity to become all things to all men to save man. Once that work was done, y'all hear heard what I said? It's done. You are you sitting around here waiting for God to do something? It's done. But you've got to learn how to pull it down from heaven and make it a reality in your life. Okay? He put his divinity clothes back on, rose from the grave. That's called resurrection. 
to sit back on his throne and left the keys to his heavenly kingdom with the church to bring heaven on earth. What have we done with that power and that authority? Do we trust more in our humanity than we do in our new nature in Christ? Are you dependent on what you uh, naturally can do? Or are you trusting God to do exploits? God is waiting on us. But the good news is that he will work with a remnant of true believers for the effectual fervent prayers of the righteous man availeth much. If we truly believe that verse, we would make sacrifices. Get up, come to intercessory prayer when and wherever corporate prayer is going on. Take advantage of those opportunities. We would use prayer as a crutch instead of your friends. Married couples would take hold of each other's hands and say, let's pray about it. Pray about what? Whatever the problem, whatever the issue, whatever's going on between the two of you, between the world, between your children, between whatever, because you would recognize that God honors covenant prayers. And you have a double covenant. You have a covenant with him and you have a covenant with each other. And therefore, that power supersedes any earthly power. But we are too selfish, prideful, and foolish to recognize the gift that God has given us. He has freely given it to us. And we don't even use it because we're too caught up in how I feel. Christians would pray about our present government administration and all politicians rather than debating about them and taking party sides. We should be on God's side. And God doesn't take the sides of genealogy, gender, or government power and performance. He stands for what he has put in operation, and that is his gospel truth, his cross, his blood, his life, his way. Amen? And when we get on board with his way, we won't have to fret about the end time. We were in the um, vacuum cleaner store. Was it yesterday? day before. Um, on on um, Southfield and 13 Mile, and uh, uh, this guy was, he had a sign on his table where you go to pay for whatever you're going to get. And I'm, I'm, see, I'm just reading and observing the stuff, that's all. And I saw the sign that says, we do not take cash, only checks and credit cards. And I said, this sign says, you do not take cash? And he says, yes, and he explained it to me because during the COVID time, uh, the banks didn't have enough money or something. I don't, I don't even remember because I, all I could think about was what I actually spoke out, and I know he didn't have a clue what I was talking about. And I said, end times. 
where cash money won't do you any good. You will have to have programmed in your brain where they can see it. Those three sixes, which they've already started on. And we are so programmed with technology that we don't feel adequate if we don't know how to operate all of the devices they have come out with. Well, guess what? If you be blessed enough to be ruptured up out of here, you won't need it. It won't even matter. Now, if you, go, if you plan to stay around, then you better major in it because if you're not in with them, you will be persecuted in the worst way. And if you are in with them, guess what? You will spend eternally in hell burning. There is life eternal. Don't be caught up with just what goes on on this side of heaven because that's what selfishness and pride will have you focusing on your pleasure, your comfort, and all of your stuff on this side of heaven while you're missing the boat and then you don't make it to eternity with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because pride, selfishness, arrogance, lying, and all of that don't dwell in heaven. So you better put your focus where it needs to be. Let me tell you, God is not uh, uh, above you enjoying life. He's just above you putting it before him. But when we put him first, he gives you what you need. And this is not just textbook revelation. This is experience revelation. When I didn't know, and next thing I know, there it is. He provided. I wrote, wrote out a proposal. What year did I tell y'all that was 2013, 2014? Before I even decided to put my house up for, for sale because I decided that uh, in retirement, whoever is left behind don't need to be worrying about how to get rid of that property. So I wrote up a proposal of what I was looking for in new residents. And, and I, I, I read it to the board the other day when I, I'm, re, I'm always reorganizing, restructuring stuff, and I ran across this paper. And, and, uh, and I said, uh, I wanted a, a, new, a new house, preferably a condo. And then I wrote all of the little dictates that what I wanted, okay? Not details. I hope y'all get my drift. I, I didn't say, I want it in this color and perfectly painted and disorganized. I said, what rooms I wanted, okay? I'm like, Lord Jesus, when did we move? In uh, 20, 2016. And I got everything was on that petition plus. I put on it that I wanted an office, not a bedroom converted into an office. 
I have an office that was not a bedroom. It has no closet. It was never meant for a bedroom. It was an office. But you know how that happened? Because uh, the owner of that used to rent out to uh, dignitaries for the automobile company when they come in town uh, to do, do work and they get to stay there. So they had an office to operate in. Okay, now there's some things that needs to be done to my specification, but what do I care about that? Because if, if he provided the blueprint and the plan, then that ain't nothing. I just have to take my time and wait on the Lord. Get it? Because he's faithful. The issue is we are not faithful. And we expect way too much from God than we're willing to give to him. He's waiting for our time, for our commitment, for our worship, for our love. That's what he's waiting for. And he will show himself strong in our lives when we give him what he wants. And since that was the top priority for me, I've, we've been in it since 2016, you said, at the end of 2016. When this is 22, it's just now have been put pressed upon me that I need to do some changes. Because I'm thinking, why, why are you just not thinking about doing this stuff? <laughs> it wasn't time. My focus was on him. So he will provide the way for me to do some of these things that I want to do that I didn't have. Okay, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Um, I guess I better do, do the benediction. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, what a wonderful, wonderful God. Faithful is not even strong enough because you are more than faithful to us. We can put all our trust in you because you do what you say you're going to do. You never fail, never fail. And you said you would never leave us alone you're always with us. Glory to your name. Father, I pray that you will open up our eyes so that we can see clearer than we've ever seen before. Our ears so that we can hear the revelation from heaven and our hearts so we can receive it, digest it in order to walk in it, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for making us new creations in you so we'll be true disciples of Jesus Christ. Uh, may the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you, be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Traveling mercies as you leave this place and go to your next destination. And when you leave and you go around other people, don't forget to tell them about Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.